this chapter is about waking up. And like you said, Tom, waking up is a practice, right? And with any practice, the key is small, steady effort. So to those that are listening, living consciously is about a practice. And it's about taking these small steps. There's going to be moments when you have these great insights and epiphanies, but it's not just about those things. It's also about the small, steady progress you're making as you become aware of these things. Bill Wilson co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is Dr. Alan Berger, uh, my friend, my colleague, my buddy, and uh, also uh, Patrick, our Patrick Newman, our wonderful producer. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm doing great today. We were just we just came in from the slip and slide <laughs> the backyard. We got a little bit of a slope on our backyard, so I said, you know what? That would be a great place for a slip and slide. So I ordered one this week and it turned out to be a big hit this weekend with the kids. And we had Maddie had one of her friends over from camp and it was their last week at camp last week. So this next week, they're going to be going to the Montessori school that Maddie's signed up for. And Tom, Patrick, you walk in, it's like walking into Hogsworth. It is so cool. A woman has got this place just, it's all natural wood. She didn't want anything artificial. And it is like you walk into this dream world for kids. And it's really going to be a great experience for Cece. I'm a big fan of Montessori, you know, the self-directed learning. Yeah. I think that that is such a, uh, it's so compatible with the way my philosophy is in life and stuff like that. And uh, so I'm excited. CC's going to be going to school there. The only negative I have is they wear little uniforms. Oh, they wear those well, so, so do the Hogwarts kids, though. They did. I guess that's true. Right. And look <laughs> at the <your> magician. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, it's it. It was a great day, you know, the, this weekend. There was, you know, a bit of a, a cloud in it. But in a way, that was also an important part is Tom McCall, my sponsor's, you know, wife died, as you guys mm-hmm. know, six months ago. Yeah. And this weekend they had a Zoom celebration of her life. And uh, almost 200 people showed up and they had this guy, Steve, made all these incredible videos of her life and her service in N.A. and her friendships. And so I had a good cry yesterday several times, you know, and then I got to go up and Tom was there because he wanted, you know, to experience it alone as he was going to be talking. Mm -hmm. But I went up and we held each other and cried for a while together yesterday. So. It was um, it was quite moving. So important. I mean, you know, as you say, it's you know one of the things that I've learned in my recovery is embracing these feelings instead of running away from them is so important. 
and uh, I got to do that yesterday. And uh, and I'm looking forward. To, the video is going to be uh, posted. The Zoom is going to be posted on YouTube today. So um, I'll get to go back and and watch those videos again because they were so powerful. You know, I really I really think my my uh, it just occurred to me as you were saying that that I think I think my my definition of joy has expanded in recovery and 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 of the last over the last year maybe in particular to include those moments you know we we think of joy as happy but it's like joy is and this is what we're going to be talking about today with chapter four of your book is 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 joy is the experience of being fully present in the moment the joy is experiencing the moment now maybe somebody else and everybody has to choose their own life yeah, yeah, but everybody gets their own words. I mean, if they, if they if joy means something else to somebody, but it's like I've realized a while back that though that the idea is, is I, I can feel something that I consider joy, like what you just described is such a beautiful moment. Yes. But it's but it's also it involves tremendous pain. Yes, you know, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It, you know, it, it's you know, it's I love I love how you're expand how you've expanded that definition because. You know the way you're talking about it is joy means that we're alive and we get to experience fully, fully alive. That's it, man. Fully That's alive, it, man. We're fully alive to this moment. You know, it's funny. We were just I, Tom and I were sitting this morning, and you know, um, NA has this great publication. I think I've mentioned it to you before. It's called Living Clean, mm-hmm. and you know, so much of the publications in the twelve step groups are oriented to and rightfully so, to the beginning of the journey, to the beginning of the recovery journey, right? You know, NA has um, the basic text. It's the basic text. It's the basic principles of getting well. Then they have, you know, um, how it works and why, or how it works and why. That's their book on, that's their 12 and 12, mm-hmm. right? It's going in mm-hmm. the steps. So they, and then they got a lot of pamphlets, but they didn't have anything that, that extended beyond that, just like, I mean, and it's, I don't think it, 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 it might be an AA publication, but I think it's called living sober or something like that. Patrick, you mm-hmm. mentioned it to me that they were covering it at a meeting you went to. Did you say that to me or something like that the other day that they read out of this yellow book? Was that you or was that somebody? Oh, else? it must've been someone else. Yeah. I yeah. know. I know the book. I could take, I could take you to my office and show you right where yeah, it is so, on the shelf. So they you have know? That, but nobody really addresses this stuff in living clean mm-hmm. was my sponsor's idea and presented mm-hmm. it to the board and said, what happens is, is because they were experiencing what a lot of people experiences is that the fellowship was dropping off after people had been around for a while. Because people were not experiencing the answer to what's next. Now, I think we've right. discovered that with emotional sobriety. Mm-hmm, that's too. what we're talking about, right? I think that that's a big answer. But NA was really losing a lot of people that had a lot of time, right? In the program, long timers, right? Old timers. And so what Tom said is we do good at addressing the despair that people have but we don't do a great idea in, in inspiring their passion. Mm-hmm. And so his idea was we need to write a book that talks about what happens next. After you've been around for a while and you're mm-hmm. living this program, 
what are some of the issues that you're going to confront and what are some of the ways to confront it? And look, the book has been the second most popular book in NA. That's amazing. Well, it's not amazing. It's, it makes sense. It's because one of the things you have to do is, is help people be ready to cope with, we talk about joy. We talk about being in the present moment. We talk about success. You have to help people cope with that because, because it's, it's not like you, you know, when you haven't had something, it's not like we're all getting something back. It's like very often we're getting something for the very first time. And, 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 uh, and if you are, you know, we, I have a T-shirt that we sell on, on our T-shirt shop. It just says weird is good. And the reason for that is because and think about this, when your clients start to get to where I teach this in my, my workshops, you've heard me say it in our workshop, it's like when people start to change, when they actually start to get the things they're, they're after, they don't say, oh, this feels wonderful. They say they and they very often use just this word. They say this is weird. And then they, they will pepper the word through the whole thing. And what it, what it finally alerted me to was the idea that, yeah, it's very foreign. And, 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 and we tend to equate or associate familiar with safe. So those are really scary times about, about potential relapse for one thing. But the other thing is, yeah, for the long haul, we need help yeah. being, learning how to be happy and okay. I didn't check with you, Patrick. How are you doing? Yes, that's right. Sorry about Oh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's okay. Um, you know, to be honest, I, uh, I visited with an old friend of mine from, uh, my South Bay AA fellowship that kind of got me started on this uh, journey of recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a bit of FOMO fear of missing out uh, because um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, at the start of the pandemic, I relocated and uh, you know, moved to kind of like virtual and all this stuff to go accommodate the new reality. And uh, all, all these people, these kind of fellow sobers that I'd uh, gotten close with mm -hmm. uh, have now returned to that ecosystem and I'm still uh, on the periphery. So that's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, but, you know, I've, I've also kind of constructed a new thing uh, that I've been doing and I reach out uh, to those individuals um, person to person, wherever yeah. I have the opportunity. You know, I think it's only natural that uh, with any big life changes, you know, you're going to feel a pang and nostalgia for the way yep. things used to be. And I, and I'm just one of millions that um, had to make some, uh, big changes because of the pandemic and you know we're still rolling with the punches so that's yeah one one of millions but you but you're, you're the one who had to to deal with your changes so that you know this it's always important to 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 there's a there's an aspect of that that's about understanding and bigger picture and humility and another part where we're not careful we and I didn't hear you saying that that way, but but I want to say that to our listeners is not not to uh, minimize our experience. I mean, it's you know, doesn't matter how many people also have experienced this, you know, because I mean, I mean, that haunted me for years. You know, it's like like well, so many people have had it worse than me. So do I have any right to have any problems? You know, turns out I do. Yeah, well, as or always, out, or it turns out I have problems whether I have any right to or not. <laughs> yeah, whether you have a right to it or not, whoever, whoever, problem, who, right? whoever, whoever decides that, that's their problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm in the right place as always. I mean, because we always end up discussing uh, something in these shows that ties back to uh, my uh, lived experience. Mm -hmm. Well, me you know, it's, it's so interesting. I'm just sitting here becoming aware of what happened for me as we were starting this out and forgetting to turn to you, Patrick, and 
checking in 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 its and it's just living consciously at that point i was so focused on us going into chapter four i forgot about you man Mm -hmm. and that's what happens Mm -hmm. when i don't keep a full awareness of not just my agenda but by the people that are around me Mm -hmm. so i'm sorry for that man oh yeah think nothing of it well well but it's also well but it's Right, it is relevant, but but also notice too. This is a great example of self compassion because again, this is that where we contrast how we have been in the past, or how if, if somebody's listening and tends to be somebody like me who would who would go go away after this, and if if it, even if we didn't mention that, I'd, I'd beat myself up if I didn't remember it. Instead, you know, I I, I looked for I realized that 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 we were, we hadn't talked to Patrick, and I wanted to do that, and I said that, and you and you adjusted immediately. I mean, it's like, you you know, it, it really was, it wasn't a matter of, it was, I mean, you were in the moment at that time because, yeah. you know, all, and, and by the way, that's, that's what being in the moment takes. And that's why we need each other is we're not ever going to get it. And st- we're not going to get, nobody's going to get in the moment and stay there. Yeah. It's like, we're, you know, we're, we're each other's post-it notes. We're like, you know, we have to keep like bumping that. into each other, you know, and yeah. just say, Hey, Hey, wake up, wake up. I even think we should greet each other that way. You know, it's like, wake up. No, I like that, Tom, a lot. Yeah. Really do. Yeah. You're right. You brought us right back to that. And you're right. I was able to flow with that. And you I'm went right with it. Share, yeah. Share that with you, Patrick. And that's my work in step 10 is <laughs> when wrong, promptly admitted it, right? Mm-hmm. And make amends mm-hmm. for it. So, um, and she, look, that's the other point. We'll get into it later. It's so good you didn't take it personal and just say, well, fuck you guys. And I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and say, fucking get another producer. You guys are asking. <laughs> Burger, you're an asshole. I like Tom, but fuck you, Burger. You know, there something you like that. You know, because <laughs> look, at some point in our life, that's how I've handled certain things. You mm-hmm. know, I get so reactive to this stuff and taking things personal, but that's why this living consciously becomes such an important foundation to our emotional sobriety. You know, Thursday nights, we've been calling it, you know, increasing our awareness, you know, synonymous. I think of these things synonymously, but what stood out for you in this chapter, Patrick, what was, what was something that really stood out for you is important. There's a, uh, a narrative winding through the chapter of a woman in a serious alcoholic state, in, in large part because she can't face her own loveless marriage and her, uh, you know, lack of enthusiasm for parenting. She doesn't want to be a parent. She doesn't want to be a wife because she can't face, uh, you know, the, the should monster that you're always talking about, Tom, because uh, that's always in the ascendant. She can't really face these truths about herself. So uh, that's what's driving her drinking and why she can't really uh, stay sober is because, you know, to live life sober is just, uh, it's, it's such an unbearable kind of, Rocking the hard place yeah. for her. Yeah. And um, I, I like I, I've always liked versions of this saying, you know, if you're miserable, you know, drinking and using is a way to resign yourself to your misery. And I, you know, I relate to that because I think I was living that kind of life for a while. Waking up, that was the previous chapter. Uh, but then in this one, it's more about the mechanisms that uh, go into living that conscious life. You know, each of these cases in the book, and, and I think I imagine you do this too, Tom, when you write about clinical situations to protect the identity, you know, I don't use one person, I use a composite, you know, I'll take 
a theme yeah. from one client, a theme from another client, a theme from another, and, you know, try to stitch them together in the best I can, best way I can, and to try to come up with an, an, an illustration. And, um, you know, what I, what I see has happened in so many cases is that what someone so resists about seeing about themselves because it's not acceptable, quote, unquote, right? Because it's not right. the way you should be. And especially for a woman, right? A, every woman should be maternal. I mean, that's such a pot, big expectation, mm -hmm. you know? And it's a great, a great example where, where our gender gets left off the hook. You know, although they, we, they even refer to, to us taking care of our own children as babysitting. Yes, that's right. You know, so you know, that's really a good point. And I, I know when you're when you're taking care of your babies, you are parenting. I'm parenting. <laughs> and and you know, and this this one woman I'm thinking about, and it wasn't just one. I mean, I've seen this theme repeat itself in several clients. So I imagine you have, Tom. Is there's mm -hmm. a certain aspect of themselves, like, and even the other way around. I've seen some women say, "I don't want to have a career. I just want to be a mom." Yeah, because of the way the shifting tides in our mm -hmm. culture and in our society, they feel guilty about that. They feel bad about that. Yeah, they feel bad about that. And mm -hmm. so you're caught in this thing and see, it's once again, you know, it's it's do I keep that emotional center of gravity in myself or do I put it away? And when I when I'm trying to have top approval, then all the shoulds become so important. When I want everybody to like me, now I've got to weigh in all of these different expectations of my gender, you know, of my social group, my peers. I mean, what an order, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a tall order to, to consider all that. But, you know, what I've seen over and over again, and it, it's, it's, it, this is part of the, what I like to think of the magic of recovery. When someone finally dares to own what was unimaginable is letting those words come out of their mouth that I don't want to be a mom. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I really don't like this. I don't like the business of it. I don't like somebody being dependent on me. I just don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. When someone dares to say the words that that could not imagine them saying, mm -hmm. there's this moment of freedom that occurs. And all of a sudden, it's like they're not striked dead with a lightning bolt from Zeus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Olympus, you know. Right. Waiting yeah, for girl, that. Yeah. Tom mm -hmm. looked around because he's mm -hmm. still waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. To come in. But, but it's, it's, it's that begins that moment of freedom that is, is, is really the essence of what emotional sobriety is, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's us mm -hmm. achieving a, a freedom within ourselves in a, you know, Bill Wilson calls it a freedom from the bondage of self, a freedom from the bondage of all these expectations, a freedom from the bondage of the shoulds, you know, of the jail that we put around ourselves. It's a freedom from that jail. And it's and it's also what you're saying. It's a beginning. See, that's that's the thing. It's like one, one of the things that helped me uh, a long time ago and it continues to help me is, is to keep in mind with somebody who shoulds his long history of shooting is keep in mind that ethics apply to behavior not to thoughts and feelings and so you know one of the things is because we feel think about how much time we spend feeling guilty about things we feel and things we think 
And in fact, when our, when very often when our behavior is perfectly impeccable, it's like, it's, it's fine. It's like, you know, and so, but for, for somebody in that situation saying, I don't want to be a mom, you know, is, is, is the, the, the same, the, they fear is the same as being, is being, not being a good mom as neglecting their children and, 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 you know, and basically trying to send them back, I guess, but, but it's like, it's really just an expression of how she's feeling that she needs to say. That's the freedom. It's like, it doesn't change anything in that moment in the whole world, other than you've just been more honest. That's right. That's right. And see, in this, it really- Your kids are still fine. You know, your kids are fine. Still fine. And look, and trust me, the kids know it. You know, parents think that they can hold these secrets from their children, mm -hmm. but at some level, some nonverbal level, her children understood that. And when she set herself free in that way, guess what? Her relationship with her kids improved. Yeah. Because when she spent time with her kids from that point on, it was because she wanted to, not because she had to. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I really like to think of this chapter, right? The first, that last chapter, we really explored how we are asleep, right? That we're in this mm -hmm. trance in our life. This chapter is about waking up. And like you said, Tom, waking up is a practice, right? Yeah. And with any practice, the key is small, steady effort. So to those that are listening, is this living consciously is about a practice. And it's about taking these small steps. There's going to be moments when you have these great insights and epiphanies, but it's not just about those things. It's also about the small, steady progress you're making as you become aware of these things. Well, and, and, and beware of the, I've recently been thinking about the downside of some of those amazing epiphanies that we would have. And that is we get high on them. Now, keep in mind, most of us that are hanging out in one form or another, we're addicts. It's like, and I've seen that in we, when we used to do those intensive week-long programs, everybody was higher than a kite because we were, I mean, and, and it's not, I'm not putting down the work. We did some amazing things, some people, but a lot of times, and I, I own it myself, even as, as a therapist and then the group of therapists I was working with, I think we missed the point that getting to the insight, getting to that beautiful moment of awareness was again just a beginning because because if we just get high and leave that place and, and many of us did thinking well that's fine that's that's good. I've resolved all that stuff with my mama now you know and you know <laughs> we know that ain't gonna be true and it's it's like if we can't translate these wonderful moments these wonderful insights into practice then we're gonna lose them and that's, the, you know, I have a friend that I used to do, uh, used to do our eating sort of workshops together. And she always called it, she, she said, she, she said, you have to be willing to do the boring part of, of recovery. Yeah. And the boring part is just putting the pieces together and getting up, brushing your teeth, saying, saying the morning prayer, doing this other thing. I mean, there's a, there's a new practice I have. I picked up, I have to get the guy's name and give him credit for it. Cause, uh, that's a psychologist on the, on YouTube and it's to, to, to wake you up in the morning to, to brush your, brush your teeth, do your morning rituals in the bathroom with your opposite hand, yeah. you know, to, to wake up. And it's actually a mm. neurological thing. You're waking up, right. you're waking up the other side of your brain. And right. he, and, and it's like, I've been doing it for about just about a week now. And it's like, you know, placebo, I don't know, but it's like, it's like, I always say, I'm happy to receive a placebo effect if it, as long as it's an effect. It's like, but it's, it's an interesting challenge to do that. And, and I'm having various experiences. We can talk about it some other time, but it's like, it's like, 
it's like taking that and putting that into it. And I liked I've, before the even heard that from him. I've used that, that, that analogy for people before. I say a lot of times it is like trying to use the opposite hand to, to do something you're very familiar with. And if, and if you, and if you do it over and over and over again, you actually will become, you will, you will actually even master it with that hand, but that's what recovery is like. Yeah. It's like, you got to do things really differently and you got to do it a lot. And, and you're, you're not always going to get it. They're not, it's not going to be right all the time. And you, and you can stay sober. It doesn't mean I always tell people that because, because the, the addict is like, Oh, well, so we could just fuck up and drink. Oh, you know, no, 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 no. I, you know, I, I've been sober for 35 years, have not had a drink in 35 years and radically imperfect recovery, you know, way off the mark. Lots of the time. Yeah, that's right. Oh, listen, and that's that's the other thing. It's not about being perfect, is it? It's really just about being committed to it. I mean, it really is. Is that overrides everything? And you know, and I really like you know. I, I think that that's the result of a spiritual experience. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I like what I was at this uh, Jewish national retreat this week, giving a presentation on emotional sobriety. Somebody had read a review I I wrote for Shesh Tob's book, God of Our Understanding, which. Mm -hmm. I'll give a plug for that because it's really outstanding. And uh, Chase, you know, a regular presenter at this National Jewish Retreat, and they get it. It's a big turnout. They get between a thousand and two thousand people this year. Only five hundred because they kept the, sent, you know, the registrations yeah. low for COVID yeah. stuff like that. But but somebody read the review I did and said, you know, what do we? Why don't we write invite Dr. Berger to come in and give this talk on emotional sobriety? So it was really great because I got to hear Shay's talk. He gave mm -hmm. a presentation called Thirsting for God. Uh -huh. and it was a great presentation. It really was outstanding. I, I just love the way rabbis and Jesuit priests are able to teach. I mean, mm -hmm. they have this ability to be so engaging and so mesmerizing is the word I have. He mesmerized mm -hmm. us. And, uh, and what he was talking about is that the spiritual awakening creates this, this experience of, and this is how he said it, he says, I was an alcoholic and I drank alcoholically. The man I was would drink alcoholically again. The spiritual experience I've had has created a new man inside me. A man committed to my recovery. That man won't drink again. It's a was a very interesting thing because you know the way that Jung called it when he talked to to Roland Hazard, who who went to over there over to Europe to treat with him. When Roland got drunk again and hey, finally came in and talked to Jung about it, he says, "You know, my experience is, is that you know alcoholics need to have this this." the spiritual yeah. awakening, right? In order to get well. And he says, well, what it means is that they have a complete reorganization of their personality and all of the motives and personal constructs that drove them before are completely shifted. And there's a whole new set of beliefs and ideas they have. Mm -hmm. And look, that is what we're talking about in terms of emotional sobriety. Yep. I mean, is that we are really talking about a very different way of looking at the world, at looking at ourselves, at looking at our relationships. And the roots of that are in living consciously, because I have to be aware of what I'm doing 
to open up the possibility of doing something different. When you were right. brushing your teeth with your left hand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was a whole new experience for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I want to go to a, a detail. Uh, you, I'm always picking at language. And there's a detail in here that, that you said that from the rabbi, quote from the rabbi that is so important is that and it's, it's the difference between can't and won't. It's like such a powerful thing. We, it's, it's easy enough. We understand when we, if I say I'm an alcoholic, so I can't drink, you know, and well, fuck that. That's not true. I'm an alcoholic and boy, can I drink? I drink. It's, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I even still have an alcoholic ego to that. You know, it's like, like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to drink. It's like, oh, that's a good thing. But when you were quoting him, he, he said this new, this new man inside of him won't. Yes. drink and see it leaves it leaves in place one of the things that comes with this awareness uh and and i mean there is i mean and that's one of the that's i mean there's several things i love chapter four and but the, but but the introduction to just really the power and i think of is the power of awareness of of all you know it's it's, it's a part of the whole system but the power of the, the healing power of awareness is amazing and part of that has to come with the awareness that that not everything remains our choice, you know, and it's like, and I, you know, want people to know that, that it does, you know, it's like, yeah. And, and also what you were saying from the, what the rabbi was talking about is he didn't say that that other part was exorcised or gone. It was, you know, he's, li- he lives, he, you know, he consciously lives from the place of the new person. And that, and that's beautiful. That fits so perfectly for wh- how we think about it. I think it does for, does for me. I think it probably does for you guys too. Yeah, it's active, not passive. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 one of the things that's nice we're talking about being able to mess up in recovery without 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 relapsing with substances is is how often have we found ourselves in that we wake up or we find ourselves in the middle of the day, you know, in that other person that, or at least, at least with one foot inside that other person's shoes, and and it's like, and our job is to to pay attention become aware, move back. Or if somebody has to remind us by responding to, you know, I mean, it's, to me, it's really been cool to see that people can react to me in a way like my usually, you know, close to home, my wife will react to me in a certain way. That is an old way of her reacting. And one of the things I've learned to do is look and go like, okay, well, what did, what did I just do? What did I do before she did that? And it's like, Oh, that was a little bit, it wasn't horrible maybe, but it was like, that was a little bit too close yes. to the old way. So that's that balancing point, that awareness that you're coming back and realizing, you know, I'm leaning too far over one direction. Yeah. I like the visual metaphor of uh, the pottery wheel. You know, mm-hmm. you're, uh, it's a constant stream of kind of like adjusting the contours of the wow. shape and, you know, Oh man. And anybody who's ever, and I've only, I've only messed with that one time my whole life, but anybody who's ever tried that, that's, I mean, I've used, I've used riding a unicycle as an, as an example (laughs) because, because if you've ever tried that, that, that is an amazing experience uh, and, and painful experience for me, but, uh, but, but, but the pottery wheel is perfect because it has so many dimensions and it's like, you know, somebody, somebody who who has mastered that can make that look really easy. You can't take your hand off it. 
Oh, man. With Glinda, the good witch, which we, we've talked about before, that if we were aware that we have lost something, we've lost things. It's like we have to ask, what have we lost? And so some of the things we've lost is some of the things we've never even had. And the, the Glinda, the good witch thing is, we've talked about this one before, probably on our podcast, but it's, it's like, it touches me because I'm, I'm always aware of how often we find, if we're, if we're paying good attention as therapists, is, is some of the, the things that, that people need to help them recover are things that they can't possibly have because no one's ever even demonstrated them for them. And somebody caring, loving, nurturing, protection is one of those things. Has any, one of my questions I asked, and I think about that with, and it wasn't exactly what you were doing with that, but it was part of that was, has anybody ever protected you? Yeah. You know, and it's like the, the blank look on people's faces will be, it's just the answer, which is just, oh, nobody's ever done that. So you don't, you can't protect yourself until we get, and the coolest thing about human consciousness is we can actually represent that symbolically in a therapy ses session, pull that chair out. I mean, and again, we start to turn it into practice, but it's like, we don't have to go back and redo somebody's childhood. You can have a symbolic experience, give somebody the experience of feeling protected, and then they can begin to learn how to do it for themselves. It's amazing. Yeah, and that's, that, that's what I love about that story. More magic, man. There's more magic. magic. That's magic. right. There's more magic. You know, yeah. I, I'm using that word a lot because, you know, my sponsor, Tom, talks about that there's something magical about recovery. He keeps yeah. going over that. And I love when he does it because you can see it's so true. He's, you know, the awe he feels about it. Mm -hmm. But here's, here's, I think, what happens. And, you know, what you and I get to do is we get to introduce people to aspects of themselves that they are unacquainted with. Yes. And, and it's, it's amazing to see people now connecting to resources and capabilities within themselves that they had no concept that they possessed, right. no idea that they had that possibility available to them. And then all of a sudden they go through something like the Glenda experience I write mm -hmm, about mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. But I hope everybody listens that's listening to us can, can hear this, that you have an unbelievable amount of resources inside you that are still untapped. Absolutely. That's, that is where our hope can lie in terms of when we're confronting and dealing with any situation. As soon as you get the right orientation, as Tom was saying, and this is where we need each other, you know, Ooh that we can point out, hey, try this direction rather than that direction. Look mm -hmm. over here instead of over there. You mm -hmm. know, pay attention to this. Then all of a sudden, these things that you didn't know that were available to you become mobilized. And they start, you start to have access. So in one way, emotional sobriety is about making available to you that which has been unavailable. It's and, and either either because you've never thought of it or the other category of that is that you have you have always thought it impossible. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. That because many people think, oh, I believe that's possible for you and for you and for you, and not for but not for me. I have a client I worked with for years and she, she, uh, on her own, this was her idea, not mine. I, it was a, a, a great one though. She, she began to make a list of, uh, 
impossibles that she accomplished. Uh, she, 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 she says she got tired of me pointing out to all the impossible things that she was doing. So she decided to keep up with them. And the last I talked to her, I don't, uh, you know, uh, she had 83 things on that list. And those, that means the definition this is very strict definition. Only thing that goes on that list is something you have actually accomplished. Not that you think is possible, but something you've actually do, you are doing now. Usually it's a practice thing. It's not usually a one-time thing, but, but you are doing now. Uh, that you would, if we traveled back in time and, and found the earlier version of yourself and said, you're going to do this, she would look us dead in the eye and say, no, that's not possible. I don't care where you are in your recovery. You look back and make, make your own list of impossibles. We've all done it. They'll be hidden in little places that are pretty surprising, but it's like all of that goes to that, that power of awareness that this, this chapter speaks to. That's right. And listen, the other part of that is what you said, is that we, we don't have available within us, those things that, that someone hasn't engaged and brought forward before. That we've never experienced. We've Absolutely. Never experienced. But just because you haven't experienced it, and see, this is the, this is the beauty of recovery. It doesn't mean it, that those parts of you don't exist. They just haven't had a chance to have a voice in your mm-hmm. life, right? They mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to weigh in. And another way of saying making available, which was unavailable, is introducing ourselves to different parts of ourselves that we've been alienated from. Yes. That we didn't know about because no one helped us connect to them, right? We just Mm -hmm. didn't have the experiences early on in life. Like we said, you know, our parents do the best jobs they can, but they're only going to be able to pass on what they know, and they're only going to be able to help us foster relationships with different parts of ourselves if they've done that with for themselves. Right, right. And so, you know, there's, what is it that Theodore Isaac Rubin said? We're victims of victims. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. Victims and it's other victims. That's all. In simple truth, I talk about think about your family of origin as your alma mater, not 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 a functional or dysfunctional, or whatever. It's like, what'd you learn there? And who'd you learn it from? And, and and you can look at And if you want to, you can look and see where did they learn it from? You know, it's like their passion. And most of the time, most of us can find examples of our parents where they did, in fact, make improvements on what they got from their parents. Sometimes sometimes just with that good old-fashioned anti-role modeling thing. The people say, well, I'm going to be a parent and I, I at least know how I'm not going to be, or, you know, I'm not going to do even one particular thing like that. It's, it's so I think that, you know, we can, not, we can not only, and that's, I say that because I know people get really nervous and feel this fear of disloyalty and stuff, talking about their families in therapy. It's like, it's always what people know. It's always about explanation, not, not blame. It's always about understanding how we came to be who we are. And it's like, and I have, a, I have my old sponsor, my first old sponsor say, blame's a good place to visit. It's enjoyable, but don't, you don't want to live there, okay. you know? And, and so they do, sometimes we do need to, it's, like, it's okay. You, you've been blaming yourself so long. It's kind of fun to we'll blame somebody else for a little while, but we'll get you back. We're not going to leave you there. It's a beautiful book I, and it's a great I, I, chapter. You know, I'm liking the book even more now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, it's so it's fun to look at stuff that that you've written. It's your stuff you get so, you know, you're so jaded by it or whatever you're living with it all the time mm, and then it's mm. like i step away from it and i forgot what it's even about and i go back now and it's a good feeling to say hey this is a pretty good book <laughs> well and the, 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 yeah the other thing is yeah you're doing your job you're you're you know that part of us that is like taking dictation you know you're writing stuff down and you get it and, and it's it's like yeah you look back at it and go like i mean how many times do we, have you ever have you looked at stuff you've written and got man that's that's smarter than i am 
<laughs> that's most of the most, most, of, most of it. That's one of the, that's one of, that's one of the reasons I have a little nutshell have up my office that says writing is how I think. It's like because because it's like that's that's how you get to these things a lot of times. You don't know when you're starting when I'm starting a chapter or, a, or an article. I don't know where it's going to go. I think I know where it's going to go, but but I know now enough to know that I'll I'll see where it goes when I follow it. Yeah. Alan, I wanted to. Uh... You made mention in the beginning of the hour that um, emotional sobriety uh, is, you know, it's for people who've been around a while. They've, uh, you know, taken care of their physical sobriety and they're looking for whatever the next frontier is. But, um, you know, I got started on this, you know, you pretty early. And I think that uh, the earlier, the better, really, for well, I agree with that. And see, there was a, it was the same thing about, the, there was always this debate early on when I got sober, there was so much smoking going on in meetings and stuff. And people said, you know, don't worry about quitting smoking, you know, focus on stopping your drinking. Right. And so nobody promoted that. And then the research started coming out that said, those people that smoke continue to smoke, have a higher degree of relapse than those people that also deal with their cigarette addiction at the same time they're dealing with their alcohol. Mm -hmm. So the data came out. I think this is one of those things that's true too, Patrick. My experience now, because I've been helping a lot of different treatment centers across the United States integrate these ideas into, into their programs, right? The earlier people are, and we've even seen it on Thursday nights, we've had somebody come in the meeting this last Thursday say, my God, I've just been around for six months and this is helping me so much at, at this point in my recovery. So I think you're right, Patrick. I think that this emotional sobriety is, is a, an essential and critical part of anyone's recovery at any time in recovery. It's important for those of us that have been around a while, haven't been exposed to it, helping us understand what's next. For those that are just starting out, it's going to give you a way of looking at the world and helping you deal with things so yeah. that you're not knocked off balance as bad as you were or as, as you can be if you don't look at some of these issues. I got to quit smoking. You're reminding me. Oh, yeah. Probably probably a good idea. You know, don't want to get cancer. Would, I would say it is a good idea. I vote for that. Yeah, it's always a pleasure chatting. <laughs> it's our it's yeah, our know, it's it's, it's our support group. You know, it is our support group. You know, when I was thinking about people that have discovered a part of themselves that they didn't know, Carol is such a good example about that from our Thursday night meeting. Yeah, it's just blossomed in that meeting and it's be such a she's such an important part of that meeting and and her journey is such an inspiration and I just well, and she and she's been, yeah, and she and she she has been. She and Patrick are the ones who are responsible for getting our our uh, emotional sobriety and recovery Facebook thing up, which which she pointed out to me after last Thursday. We had hit four hundred uh, people on that list. Uh, I mean, and still growing. It's it's like I mean, she's been and she helps to to. I mean, she's just a part. You're right. She's an essential part of the recover of the of the community. She is and, an essential part. And I mean, and she found her voice and, and she sang. Literally, literally and, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, I'll tell you that the song that she sings is just so relevant and the words are so powerful and she sings it so beautifully. I mean, I'm so grateful for her. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Yep. I love that group. 
Yeah, it's a great group. If, if you guys are listening to us and, and haven't been, please join us Thursday nights. Yeah. I'll be sure and include, as always, the uh, Zoom information in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a big, big group. But when you're there, if you're there, you're there for the first time, say hi to us. That's right. Speak up. Yeah. It's a big group, but it's a very personal group, too. Very. And that's what everybody feels, even regardless of the size. It doesn't feel that way. It feels it's very intimate. Personal. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Are there any recordings right. from your uh, talk at the Jewish um, collective that, uh, you know, they did record it. So I'm going to see if I can get a hold of the, the recording of it. So. Um, yeah. I, I, I found that all, all fascinating. And um, you know, you were, I guess you were participating or you were, it, it wasn't necessarily from like a recovery frame, was it? It was more about. No, they wanted me to come in to talk about really, they were connecting it to wellness. And spirituality and really more of a wellness component that they're adding to this national Jewish retreat. And they were saying, look, we get these great ideas, of spirituality, but we got to learn to plug these things in to some practical issues. And I get it. You know, I think it's great what they're doing. And we're seeing people do that more and more and more across, across religions, across different, you know, psychologies and stuff like that. It's very exciting. Well, what a great thing for us to be able to be a part of is, is if, you know, of course, you know, there's such a big theme for us about what we've talked about even today. And this one is practice is for emotional sobriety, the whole movement of social emotional sobriety to be about that, about, about translating, translating concepts into practice. You know, cause, because, because, because that's not a concept that just applies to, you know, our, our model of social, of emotional sobriety that you take any religion or any other organizational, you know, uh, program, or other, other kinds of, of self-help thing. All of it goes to that. All right, you guys. Great show. Next week is uh, discerning our emotional dependency. Chapter five of Alan's book. Come back and join us folks. Yep. See you next week. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with Then with glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing entertain me like nobody else so here's to us my old friends until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again with glass in hand and children on me bring some stories bring your stories back to me